I don't know about you, but few things get me thinking about the meaning of life like country music. <laughs> the other day at the gym, I thought, oh, I want to change for my normal playlist. No, I'm not going to tell you what's on that playlist. But, <laughs> but I saw advertised hot country. And so I thought, well, there must be a good driving beat to that. That'll be helpful to work out, too. And so one of the songs came up entitled, uh, Something's Gonna Kill Me. And it goes like this. They say, if you ain't busy living, then you're just dying slow. I want to say I've done it all by the time it's time to go. Where and when and what'll be the death of me? Well, heaven only knows. It might be the highway and it might be these songs. It might be the whiskey or the smoke inside these lungs. Ain't no way around it. One day I'm going to die. If something's going to kill me, might as well be what makes me feel alive. Sold my soul to rock and roll. I've made my peace with God. I ain't afraid to die. If something's going to kill me, might as well be what makes me feel alive. Popular artist, 4.2 million monthly listeners just on that one platform. Popular. So... What would you say he was holding out in that song as the meaning of life? What's the point of life? What would make life worth it? I mean, your life, it would be in vain. You'll just be dying slow if what? If you don't do what makes you feel alive, right? Pleasure. If it feels good, then it gives some meaning to your rather pitiful life and your death. Without the good feeling, wherever it comes from, you're just dying slow. Life's about pleasure. It's about consuming. Drink, drugs, sex makes an appearance, a fast motorcycle, material things, and of course, thrills. You know, it's probably the most common theme held out to us by society. Feelings have kind of become the ultimate judge of worth be it how to spend your life, what's good art, music, religion. I left mass and I didn't feel anything. That was a waste. Pleasure has the final say. I mean, there's no real morality. You can sell your soul and somehow still be at peace with God. Now, it reminded me of the ancient philosopher Aristotle, his work on ethics in which he wrote about friendships different types of friendships and how friendships are established. Friendships between one or more people, he says, are established based on what they hold in common. And the quality of what they hold in common determines the quality and the enduring character of their friendship. The stronger, the more enduring that which they hold in common is, the stronger, the more enduring their relationships, their friendships are. Now, one of those friendships that he speaks about is characterized by pleasure. Holding pleasurable, pleasant experiences together has a way of binding people together. But those relationships, those friendships, only last as the pleasant experience does. And when it melts away, so the friendships, relationships melt away, which probably is what we most commonly see on social media with celebrities and such. When pleasure melts away, the friendships melt away. The meaning of life melts away when there's no pleasure to make you feel alive. 
thought occurred to me, you know, that's kind of an interesting way to think through the meaning of life through the lens of friendships. What we seek in others reveals something about, well, how we understand life. What we want out of life appears in our relationships, our friendships. A second type of friendship that Aristotle wrote about was one characterized by utility or usefulness. That is, two people or more are friends because they're useful to one another. So, for example, you have Chiefs tickets. I want to go to the Chiefs game. I'm going to be friends with you as long as you maintain your season tickets. But if you have some sort of head injury and become, you know, a Broncos fan, well, that's probably (laughs) going to be the end of that friendship. Relationships, life can be understood from the vantage point of a transaction, from utility, usefulness. Now, this reminds me of John Dewey. He's the most prominent figure to give shape to modern American education. So he was a functional atheist. He didn't believe in asking age-old questions like who is man and what is his purpose because, I mean, there could be God, but we don't know if there could be. We can't determine that. We can't demonstrate that. So let's deal with the things that are real. Let's take a pragmatic approach. What do we need to do in our interactions so that we can, well, obtain what we want? So the goals of modern education come out in Common Core documentation, for example, which says, in part, it's designed to ensure students are prepared for today's entry-level careers, freshman-level college courses, and workforce training programs, and to provide a way for teachers to measure student progress. So you can hear the emphasis is on skills and measurement. It sees students as workers and consumers. So the goal of Dewey's educational approach is to instill the skills needed in order to acquire what you want. Now, if you ever get a chance to visit with college students, this comes out quickly. I had a chance in the first three years of my priesthood to do that on a regular basis, and it never failed. I'd go to a high school, I'd visit with them. Why are you here? Well, to graduate. What do you want to graduate? To get into college. What do you want to go to college? What do you, to, to get a degree. Why do you want a degree? So I can get a good job. Why do you want a good job? So I can get money. Why do you want money? So I can get stuff and have a good life. Never failed. I mean, there's a way of understanding life's meaning according to a series of transactions that are useful to obtain, consume what you want. The degree or the job is meaningful according to what it enables you to acquire. Life's meaning is wrapped up in transactions that get you what you want. And when you can't make those transactions, like there's inflation and you're on a budget, you're elderly on a fixed income, you're injured, you can't work, or you're stuck at a certain place in your career, you know, if there's things, then what happens? Your life the meaning of your life suffers. The last type of friendship that Aristotle looks at, writes about, is characterized by virtue. That's what two people hold in common. He said, this is the strongest, most enduring type of friendship because virtue is that stable disposition of soul for choosing the good. It's the most enduring bond between two people. So here's a way to think about it. I'll use this or borrow this from 
a man who gave a, a talk here on classical Catholic education. So play along, if you will. He invited us to close your eyes. So I'd say close your eyes. Some of you are already doing this, so it's easy enough for you. <laughs> close your eyes. Now, imagine that you have passed away. You passed away. You're in heaven. You made it. And you're looking back on earth. And specifically, you're looking back at one of your children. Can you visualize that child? Now you're looking at them on their deathbed. They are about to pass away. They are about to take their last breath. Now what do you want for that child at that moment? What do you want for them? Now he invited the crowd to respond. Not one of them said, I hope that they had a great job. I hope that they made lots of money. I hope that they spent their life doing what made them feel alive. Not one. Maybe you thought that. Not one person said it. It all had to do with something like, I hope they find peace at that moment. That there's assurance as they take that step that they haven't lived their life in vain. That's virtue. That's classical Catholic education, forming a child's character so it aligns with what it means to be a human being with the purpose of life. You know, friends, unlike a product or possession, you can't buy someone else's character. Neither can you give away your own character. You can't buy it and you cannot give yours away. You can give a good example. You can share your goodness with others, but your character is yours for better or for worse which is precisely the point of the wise and foolish virgins. The wise hadn't missed the point of life when they slept the sleep of death. And their readiness for that moment couldn't be shared with anyone else. That moment of sleep will reveal for us too what we've understood as the meaning of life. If that moment came right now, well, how bright would your lamps be? 